the fourth Sunday of Advent. Isaiah prophesied that the people who walk in darkness would see a great light. The 60th chapter proclaims, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. They will bring gold and frankincense, and bear good news of the praises of the Lord. On this, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we remember the star that appeared in the dark Judean sky and led the wise men of the east to the Holy Child, born the King of Kings, where they laid their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh at his feet. His light still shines in the darkness of the world, calling wise men to himself that they might lay their gifts at his feet and find the one true king. This is the royal son that God promised through his prophet Isaiah, who said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This Christmas season, church, will you have the wisdom to seek out this light of the world and lay your gifts at his feet? Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Katie, and I've been serving in South Asia for the last two years. Um, and in a few short days, we'll be heading back to the field to continue in, in this work. Um, yeah, I remember this time last year on Christmas Eve, I was sitting in a small apartment alongside some national brothers and sisters, all worshiping together in a very makeshift candlelight service. Um, and we had these small tea light candles and we're all worshiping together. Um, this house church that was planted only a few months prior to this time was starting to grow and we were starting to see the Lord grow and multiply our numbers. And this was our first Christmas Eve worshiping together um, as, as a church. 
And I remember, I remember this night very clearly because one of my friends who had just become a believer the Christmas before was sitting next to me. Uh, you see, the Lord, he miraculously uh, protected her. And once we got to share the gospel with her, she knew that she had to follow him. And as she was sitting next to me that night, she whispered in my ear and was like, Katie, as, as these tea lights are being, being lit one by one, even one of them is lighting up the whole room. And, and I'm, as I reflect on this night and re, am reminded of, of that time worshiping together, I'm thankful, first of all, that, that my friend knows who the light of the world is. And second of all, that this house church that is slowly starting to grow, um, yeah, it's just a small glimpse of the Lord's favor in that place and evidence that he's working there. But also at the same time, in a city of over 14 million people, less than 1% of them know Jesus. And that's a sobering reality, uh, that the, the greatest problem in this world is, is lostness. Um, and so with that being said, I'm super encouraged that you're going through this book right now called Mastered Life Together as a Church. And the authors of, of this book were actually co-workers of mine on the field in South Asia, laboring in the fields for over seven years. Um, so these principles that you're learning are ones that, Lord willing, if you want to come and join me in the summer, uh, in July, you'll have that opportunity to take these tools that you're learning here in the States and bring them with you to reach the people in South Asia. Um, what that would look like would be entering into these fields of people and these places that have never heard the gospel before, uh, to share the gospel with them about this light of the world that we're, we're worshiping even today. Um, and then also, one day, in discipling these believers, and one day in hopes that we would form healthy, reproducing churches um, that will then multiply throughout the city. So if this sounds of interest of you, to come and address the world's greatest problem, that is lostness. I would love for you to come and to the, um, the interest meeting in this coming January to learn more about this opportunity. And would love to have you come join me next summer. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas Eve. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord together on such a wonderful day. Uh, you know, Katie is one of two uh, from our congregation who are serving on the international mission field. Uh, it's very fortunate that we have these two who have given their life for such a service. Uh, and now is the time of year that we are taking up an offering to help support our international missionaries. It's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And as many of you know, uh, our goal this year is $85,000. Uh, you all have always been so generous in giving towards Lottie Moon. I think we've already collected uh, $40,000 or close to that. Uh, so we thank you for your giving. Uh, please continue to give. This offering will be open all the way through the end of January. Um, but there are other ways that we can support Katie and Brandon and all of our other missionaries uh, who are serving the Lord internationally, and that is by prayer and also by going. 
And then you too are a part of the great reconciliation plan that the Lord Jesus has laid out that you can be a part of spreading the gospel by praying, by giving, and by going. So uh, we look forward uh, to your involvement, um, especially in 2024, uh, as you'll learn about our missions opportunities coming up. But wanted to say uh, welcome to everyone who is here today to worship with us. And if you are a visitor, we ask that you take a care card that's in the pew back in front of you and then fill that information out and you can give that to one of our pastors or you can put it in one of the giving boxes that's located on the back wall of the foyer of our uh, sanctuary lobby. So make sure you fill that out. We would love to know of your visit and get back in touch with you just to say thank you for being here. And then on the opposite side of that care card is a place for uh, a prayer request. Anybody who has a prayer request can fill that out. And then our church takes seriously those prayer requests. Our staff get those and we pray for you. So make sure that you get those in. Um, also, uh, you can see the QR code behind me here. If, if you are interested in what's going on to our church, uh, in our church, uh, take your phone out, scan that QR code, and it'll take you to a place uh, to where you can sign up for our email blast that goes out every week. I'm telling you, that is the best way to stay informed on what is going on in our church. So uh, this is about the only time that we'll tell you to take your phone out uh, in, in, in a church service, but we want you to do that. Uh, if, you, if you don't do that this morning, go to our website, pbcweb.org, and then you can sign up for that email blast there. Um, along with our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we are, our, our post office ministry, Lottie Moon post office ministry is wrapping up. Uh, so make sure that you get your Christmas cards in the place uh, where they need to be, and, uh, and then we'll get those distributed. But uh, take what you would pay for postage uh, on those Lottie Moon, on those Christmas cards. And then uh, just take that and make a donation toward our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Just another way of garnering money for that incredible mission. Ladies, there's a wonderful opportunity coming to you next year. Uh, join in for a year-long adventure in reading God's Word together. Beginning January 1st, you will be doing the Bible Recap. It's a chronological daily reading plan designed by Tara Lee Cobble. And then each day, uh, you will read the designed passages and then read or listen to or watch Tara Lee's succinct recap of that passage. Uh, then you will uh, gather twice a month for a time of encouragement and discussion. Uh, and then you can access this plan by purchasing the Bible recap book for $20 at the, Bible, at the information desk or subscribing to the Bible recap podcast or by YouTube channel. Um, for more information about this, go to the information desk, ladies, or see Miss Connie. I'm sure she would love to help you out. As Katie's already mentioned, on January the 14th, we'll have a very special meeting in here at 5 o'clock uh, in regards to all the mission opportunities that our church will have in 2024. So if you want to be a part of, of missions in 2024 uh, uh, at Pitts Baptist Church, you make sure that you put that on your calendar and be here for that very special meeting. This week, uh, with it being Christmas week, the schedule uh, is a little different uh, to start with. Tonight is a very special service. We've had our Christmas Eve service 
at 9 o'clock for as long as, as I can remember. It's very casual, and it's only about 45 minutes. It's just a wonderful time of being together, reading scripture, singing carols, and listening to special music. So I know that you will want to make your way back here tonight at 9 o'clock for that very special service. Uh, tomorrow being Christmas Day and Tuesday after, the, the, the church offices uh, will be closed. And then there's no Wednesday activities this week in the evening except youth for the lock-in. So make sure, youth, you are here at 5 o'clock uh, for an evening of fun. Uh, so parents, you can come and help as well. It takes a village to raise a child. It also takes a village to have a lock-in. So <laughs> y'all come and be a part of a wonderful afternoon. And then next Sunday, December 31st, we're back on regular schedule in the morning. We will have our community groups at 9 and then our worship service. And so uh, you've actually had two weeks to study on the Holy Spirit in your master life today. So make sure that you have all your quiet times completed uh, on that section so that you can be a full participant in, in, in worship service and in community groups. Um, Again, there are so many other announcements, but the best way to stay involved is to scan that QR code and uh, get involved in getting that Friday email link. Um, man, that's a lot. So we're going to pray now, and then after I pray, a man is going to come um, with a special service for our, uh, for our children. Let's, let's silence our hearts before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we humbly bow before you to thank you that what this time represents in Christendom. It represents to us the coming of the Lord Jesus who was rich but became poor for our sake that we might be in relationship with you. Father, we thank you that Jesus came by humble means was born of a virgin in a manger, in a feed trough. You became poor that we might become rich. And Father, we know, Lord, that that baby did not stay in a manger, but lived a perfect life, a sinless life, a life that we could not live. And then died a death that we could not die. Matter of fact, Lord, the that Jesus died on the cross that we deserve. But he died to absolve our sin that we might have life with you. But Lord, we know the story doesn't end there because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave victorious to defeat death and sin and the grave that we might have eternal life with you. What a wonderful, blessed gift that is. And Father, I pray that this Christmas season, through the hustle and bustle of giving and, and receiving, that we do not neglect the greatest gift of all, the Lord Jesus. God, we pray that today, that the words that you've given our pastor, the, the words that you've even given Amanda and her children's sermon and the, and the choir as we sing, that everything would point to Jesus. And Father, that if there is one within the sound of my voice this morning that does not have a relationship with you, I pray, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you convict them of their sin and let them see their need for you. And that you truly are 
the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to you except by Jesus. And Father, I pray that your name would be honored and glorified and magnified. And I pray for believers in this room this morning, God, that as a result of being here, that we are encouraged in our walk with you, that we would resolve to walk more closely with you so that others would see the light shining us that points to the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus. And I pray in his name. Amen. Can I get all the kids to come down? Join me down. Ooh, sorry. Join me down front. Come on. Hey. Zoe. Hi. Good morning. You guys want to have a seat? Just sit down right there. We're going to talk for a minute. Listen to them all coming. Isn't that the best? Hello. Hello. Want to find a seat? Just sit down. We're going to talk for a minute. Come on down. Come on down. You want to sit, you want to sit beside me? We're going to wait just a minute. we got more friends coming. <laughs> Come on. You guys look so cute. You're all Christmassy. Yeah. It's amazing. Good morning. You guys doing okay? Yeah. I have a question for you this morning. Okay. How many of you have a Christmas tree? Yeah. You know what? Christmas tree is one of my favorite things about Christmas. The, I have one Christmas tree. One is perfect, right? That's just enough. The best thing about Christmas trees is that everybody has different traditions with their Christmas tree. Some people like to go and um, cut down their own tree. And those of us who are severely allergic to that get the fake ones. So we have those at home. And everybody does them different, right? In our family, we have a tradition where we go every year and we find an ornament that's special for the year. So it tells something special that happened that year. Or it's a symbol of um, a big event or something that reminds us of, of that year. And that's one of our favorite things to do. That's right. So um, it's the best getting to enjoy all the traditions of Christmas. What do you think is the most important part of the Christmas tree? Hang on. Think about it for a minute. Maybe it's the decorations. You have ornaments and tinsels and bulbs and icicle lights and garland. Is that the most important? No. You don't think so? What about the lights? Maybe it's the lights. You know, they bring all this light to the tree, and sometimes they're different colors, and they blink on and off sometimes. You think that's it? No, you all got other opinions. Okay. Um, maybe it's the presents. Is it the presents under the tree? Surely. Charles says yes, that's definitely it. <laughs> oh, you think the star? You know what? You're, it has snowflakes? 
See, everybody uses something different for the topper of the tree, right? Some have stars. Some have angels. Um, there's all different kinds of things that they can use. So what do you think? you think the topper is the most important? Is everybody in agreement with that? Yeah? Uh-oh. Sorry. That's right. The star is really important. Can I tell you my answer to this question? It's the tree stand. If you didn't have a tree stand, could the tree stand up? No. It doesn't matter what kind of tree you have. You have to have a tree stand, right? Yeah, because I got one at my house. That's right. What happens if you don't have a tree stand? It's a big old mess, right? It would fall down. Because the tree stand, hang on, the tree stand is what keeps the tree stable. It's what keeps it up. So if you think about it, you have to have a tree stand if it's going to stay up. If you don't, it comes crashing down. You see, the stand is what holds the tree up and keeps it stable. It doesn't matter how big or pretty or what decorations you have on the tree if you don't have a stand. So think about this. If your tree's up in the corner, you've got it all decorated nice, and you have friends come over, what do you think's the first thing they notice? You think they notice the stand? Have you ever had anybody come to your house and go, that's a real nice tree stand you got there. I'm going to have to get me one of those, right? Babe, you think they'll notice your tree stand? Maybe. Maybe we should get some more fancy ones. Maybe that's what it is. My daddy, nobody ever sees the black tree stand. No, you're right. Because every time it's nighttime and we turn off the downstairs lights, you're right. No one usually thinks about the stand unless you're putting it up or taking it down. It's usually a forgotten part, right? So, you see, we get distracted from the stand because everything else on the tree is so cool and it looks so good, while the stand is still the most important part of the tree. In the same way, it's easy for us to forget the most important part of Christmas because we get distracted with everything else, with presents and commercials and all the shopping you have to do with family and cooking, while those are great things, it's easy to forget the most important part of Christmas, which is baby Jesus. Christmas is about celebrating the miraculous birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And him. this is when God sent his son to save us from our sins. Think about it. Jesus put flesh on and walked right here on earth. And Jesus' birth was so important that the prophet Isaiah spoke about it 400 years before Jesus ever came. Let's read it real quick. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given... And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. And then in the book of Matthew, God spoke to Joseph about Mary and said, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas is all about Jesus. You see, he was born in a stable where they keep animals. They actually put Jesus in a manger. Well, that's what animals eat out of. It's a pretty humble beginning for such a mighty king, don't you think? Christmas reminds us that something so small can be something so great. So I want to teach you something to remember. Oh, I'm going to stand down here. All right, these motions. Jesus, from a manger's birth, came to save, like a superhero, came to save all the earth. Can you do that with me? Jesus, from a manger's birth, came to save all the earth. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Jesus, from a manger's birth, came to save all the earth. And that's exactly why he came. So this Christmas, I want to challenge you and invite you to try and look past all the glitters and lights and see the true meaning of Christmas. Like this tree stand, that's the most important part of the tree, Jesus is the most important part of Christmas. So take time today to thank him for the best Christmas present ever. And I want to pray with you right now, and then I've got some bags I want to give you, so don't run off, okay? Okay, come and see them right now. All right. Let's pray, okay? I can see them right now because I'm a little Jesus, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us enough to send your Son. God, I pray that you will um, mold our hearts to know and love you more. God, to understand what a truly miraculous um, event that happened on the night you were born. God, we thank you so much for Jesus and that he came to save us from our worldly selves, Lord. I pray that you will touch each heart here and help us to truly focus on what Christmas means this season. We love you. We thank you for loving us, and I pray a special blessing over all here today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I've got a packet for you. This has sermon notes in it, so for my elementary kids, you guys get that out. If you can write, you can take notes. We want you to listen really good to Pastor Scott's sermon today. There's all kinds of ways for you to take notes, think about things you don't, you didn't understand, write them down. This is a way you can um, share with your family after service and talk about what you heard. Um, and then if you're really good after service, there's a snack in here for you, okay? Snack? That's after service, and only if parents approve, okay? Snack? Deal? Yes? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love snacking. All right. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. When you get your bag, you can go back to your parents, okay? Okay. You ready to go? <laughs> you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Here you go, Miss Zoe. You're welcome. Thank you. 
thing. You're welcome, Chavanay. Here you go, buddy. Why don't you stand as we continue in worship together? Sing with Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mine God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn i uh-huh. 
glad he did. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Well, I'm sorry I don't have snacks to give you today, a snack bag. But uh, anyway, take your Bibles out and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, we're mainly going to look at just uh, verses 1 through 3 this morning, primarily. Hebrews chapter 1, an announcement that changed the world. An announcement that changed the world. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word, please? The writer of Hebrews says, Long ago at many times and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Father, I pray that you would bless our understanding of this text of Holy Scripture today. Open our eyes, open our hearts. And Lord, this Christmas, we do indeed want to give all the honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. Because it's his birth that we celebrate. That you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, speak to us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Folks, we know that uh, communication, communication is a very tricky and messy thing at times. The Massachusetts Bar Association, the, the lawyer's journal that they have, their professional journal, some years ago in their journal, they printed what were some actual lines of communication in the courtroom that attorneys asked witnesses who were on the stand under oath. Now listen to some of the questions and answers. Now doctor, isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, he doesn't really know about it until the next morning? (laughs) Sir, the youngest son, the 20-year-old, now how old was he? Were you present... When your picture was taken. Another one. Were you alone or were you by yourself? Was it you or your younger brother who was killed in the war? Here's still another one. How far apart were the vehicles at the moment of collision? You were there until the time you left. Is that right? She had three children, right? Yes. How many were boys? None. Were there any girls? How was your first marriage terminated? By death? And by whose death was it terminated? 
And then one last one here. Doctor, how many autopsies have you performed on dead people? He responded, well, all of my autopsies have been uh, performed on dead people. Communication, it can definitely be somewhat messy and tricky at times. Who among us here this morning hasn't at some point in our lives, in some context with some audience, made a mess out of something we were trying to say? But folks, we see today that God doesn't make a mess out of what he communicates. God speaks, and when he speaks, he speaks in a very clear and a powerful way. And that's exactly what we see this morning in Hebrews chapter 1. In these first verses that I've read from this chapter, they're simple verses, and yet they're very profound. And they tell us that Christ is superior to everyone and everything. And what we see here is that Jesus Christ is the ultimate way in which God has communicated to the human race. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. God sent his son to provide a savior for us and to communicate his love for us in the ultimate way. And today in particular, I want you to understand that while we celebrate Jesus coming as a baby, he's no longer simply a baby lying in a manger. He's sovereign Lord, he's King of kings, and he's Lord of lords. The first thing I want you to notice with me this morning is the activity of the Father. Read with me again from verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. The activity of God, the activity of the Father uh, reveals his heart towards us. And what is the activity that the writer of Hebrews is pointing, pointing out here? It is the fact that God communicates. God speaks. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know what he has done. And he wants us to know his nature and what he is like. And the writer of Hebrews begins by saying God spoke in the past. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Folks, thank God that he speaks. If God did not speak, you and I would have no way of knowing him. You know, man thinks he can figure things out on his own. Uh, through his reason or through his experiences or through his feelings and emotions. Man thinks he can figure life out. But we can't. We need something more. We need divine revelation. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that is exactly what God has given us. And it shows us how much he desires fellowship with us. And we can be grateful that he does. He takes the initiative. He comes to us. He communicates. 
He has to take the initiative if you and I are going to know him and be in a relationship with him. Because other scripture passages point out that man on his own would not do this. Because we are spiritually dead and there is none who seeks after God. Paul says in Romans 3, not even one. And so if we're going to know God, he has to take the initiative. He has to speak. And again, that's what these verses are saying he has done. The writer says he has spoken to us uh, through the prophets, through, uh, to our fathers in ancient times, through the prophets. He spoke to people like, or spoke through people like Moses. And also through Joshua and Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. And all the way down to, to, to Malachi. And what did he say? Well, you've heard one verse out of Isaiah this morning. For unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is born. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah the prophet being used of God to communicate to God's people. I think of the prophet Micah, how the prophet Micah foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And not just any Bethlehem, but the Bethlehem in Judah that's outside of Jerusalem. Because you see, there was another Bethlehem up in the northern portions of the land. But Micah pointed out 700 years before the birth of Christ that Christ would be born in the particular Bethlehem that was near Jerusalem through the prophets God has spoken and the writer here goes on to say he's spoken in many portions many different ways we have the law we have the historical books that spell out how God dealt with his people within history we have the wisdom writings like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job and we have the prophets the major and minor prophets he's spoken in many ways he also says and some of those ways would be through direct communication like he did with Moses at the burning bush God used Moses' staff to do a miracle before Pharaoh. He also turned Moses' hand in, into a leprous hand and then healed it again. God spoke through Elijah or to Elijah in a still small voice. He spoke to Isaiah through a vision in the temple when Isaiah saw God on the throne high and lifted up. He spoke to Hosea through family relationships, telling Hosea to go out and marry a woman who was a prostitute because God's people had acted the prostitute like a prostitute and been unfaithful to him. He spoke to the prophet Amos in a basket of summer fruit. God spoke in visions and dreams. I think of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Also I think of Daniel in the book of Daniel. All the dreams and visions that they had. God spoke in these many ways. How did he do this? Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It was all perfect. 
Because it was God-breathed. It was inspired of God. But what the writer of Hebrews wants us to see here is the ways that God spoke to our forefathers in these many portions and many ways. It was all incomplete. Theologians speak of... uh, progressive revelation in other words all through the Bible in the Old Covenant the Old Testament God is progressively revealing more and more and more to his people through time and through their history he's revealing more and more he's unfolding his truth leading his people all the way down to the coming of the Messiah and the new covenant And so what he wants us to understand is the way God has spoken to us now is even better than the way God spoke in the past. Because God speaks now in the present. He goes on to say that in verse 2. He says, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. God's spoken to us through his son. Folks, the fact of the matter is, in all of human history, there has never been anybody like the Lord Jesus. You've heard me read this poem before. I think it's worthy to be read again. Uh, Somebody wrote this years ago, an anonymous author, and it goes like this. It says, more than 1,900 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. This man lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived, and that was during his exile in childhood. In infancy, he startled the king. In childhood, he puzzled the religious doctors in manhood he ruled the course of nature he walked upon the billows as if on pavement and hushed the sea to sleep he never wrote a book and yet all of the libraries of the countries uh, could not hold the books that have been written about him he never wrote a song and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all songwriters combined. He never founded a college but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students. Though time has spread many years between the people of this generation and the scene of his crucifixion yet he still lives. Herod could not destroy him and the grave could not hold him. He stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed by God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by devils as the living personal Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is still the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as this one solitary life. Folks, there's never been anyone like Jesus, like the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is precisely the point that the writer of Hebrews is making. As wonderful as all those previous ways are, whereby God spoke to his people and communicated with his people, Christ is better than everything that has gone before him. He's the supreme way God speaks. 
God speaks in the present, which is referred to as these last days. Because there's not a new way coming that God's going to deal with mankind. Jesus is the climax. He's the supreme way. He's what the old covenant was all about. And so the new covenant is is not disconnected to the old. The old covenant was preparing us for the arrival of the Messiah. And so now in the most complete way possible, God has spoken. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 4. He says, but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that he might receive, uh, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And then John in John chapter 1 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Folks, what we need to see is God is active, and God is speaking. He's not the God of the deist from several hundred years ago. You've read about the deist. They believed in God who created the universe, but they viewed him like a clockmaker who would make a clock and wind it up and set the clock up on a mantle or a shelf and walk away from what he's just made and not intervene with it anymore. And the deists believe that's what God did. He created the universe. He, he put natural laws in place, which indeed he did, but they believe he just kind of got everything started and he's walked away from his creation and he's left us on our own. Not at all. That's not what the Bible is telling us. God comes to his people. He speaks. He communicates. Because he loves us. But the question is, are we looking for him? Are we listening? He's speaking to us this Christmas season even through his word. His Holy Spirit takes his word... And he moves upon human hearts. But the question is, are you listening? Am I listening? Because he's active and he speaks. And folks, he's speaking to us through Jesus. There's only one way God is speaking and that's through his son. God's not speaking to men today in a hundred different ways. He's speaking in one way through his son. There's not many ways to God. There's only one way to God and his name is Jesus. That's how he's speaking and moving upon human hearts. You know, for centuries, men have tried to reach up to God and bridge the gap between God and man through religion. And that's what's so different about Christianity. Because we can't reach up and grab a hold of God. God, knowing our inability, has reached down to us. He's come down to us. He's condescended to us. He sent His Son to us to be our Savior. Understand this, Christianity is not a philosophy, it is a person. It's not a code, it is not merely a creed. Christianity is Christ. 
Philip Brooks, a famous preacher of a, of a previous generation, was once asked a question. Dr. Brooks, is it necessary to have a personal experience with Christ in order to be a Christian? And the great preacher paused for a moment and, and then he replied, My friend, a personal experience with Christ is Christianity. No wonder Jesus said to a religious man, you must be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven. You must have an experience with Christ, whereby the Spirit of God moves upon your heart and soul from above and draws you to faith in Jesus Christ. That is what Christianity is all about. It is no wonder that the writer of Hebrews is writing to his people and pointing this out. Because you see, you need to understand the context of the book of Hebrews. Many of these Jewish uh, individuals who have become Christians, they were part of a culture as, as Christians... In their Jewish land and and their, their Christianity was not accepted. Their countrymen would persecute them because they had come to faith in Christ. They might be put in prison. Uh, their businesses might not be frequented anymore. They may go broke a, as a Jewish Christian. And so many of them were being tempted to go back to the temple and back to the old ways so they could avoid the persecution of being a Christian. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, you can't go back. Because everything you want to go back to in the Old Covenant pointed forward to Christ. And now that God has sent His Son, He's not dealing with people anymore on the basis of, of the Old Covenant. He's dealing with people on the basis of His Son. And the old ways now are obsolete. What you have in Christ is better. And that's what they're being told. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, secondly, I want you to see what he says about the accolades of the Son. Beginning there in verse 2, he says, Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He points out here that Jesus is superior to the prophets. Some people today try to say Jesus was just a prophet. No, he was more than a prophet. He's superior to the prophets. Look at what he says here in verse 2 about Christ. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. An heir. This is a title of dignity. And it points out that Jesus owns everything. And so when Jesus went back to the right hand of God, he simply went back to his rightful place. 
Psalm 2 says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you're my son, today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. The scripture goes on to say that God is in the process of putting all things under the feet of Christ. He's the heir. He appointed heir of all things. Well, not only that, but he goes on in verse 2 to say, Through whom he also made the world. In Genesis 1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And yet, folks, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul tells us that it was actually through the Son that God created all things. Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. The Son was the agent of creation. He's creator and heir both. And what does that communicate? Everything is rightfully His. Everything is rightfully His. And you know what that means? Christ is your rightful owner. And you and I are to bend the knee to Him and confess Him as Lord. Well, he goes on in verse 3 to say He's the radiance of its glory. The radiance of God's glory. The glory of God can be seen in Jesus. Now there's an analogy here in granite. It's a weak analogy. There's no analogy that adequately captures the Trinity. But listen to this. Uh, The analogy of the sun and its rays of light. Picture a dark night when the sun rises the next morning over the horizon and it casts its brilliant rays over a pond and across a field. What a beautiful sight to behold. There's no way to separate the rays of the sun from the sun itself. Well, what the rays of light are to the Son, Jesus is to the Father. He is the radiance of His glory. And also he goes on in verse 3 to say the exact representation of His nature. That phrase exact representation is the rendering of a word that referred to a stamp or a die. You would stamp something and it would leave the the representation of the stamp. It would leave the exact image. And so here's a statement that goes, goes even beyond the previous statement. Because this statement says that the one who reflects God's glory also shares in his exact nature. And that's why when Jesus was asked on one occasion, Lord, show us the Father, Jesus responded by saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Then we're told in verse 3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Upholding means carrying along. And it is the same word that is used in Mark chapter 2. Remember when we went through our series on the gospel of Mark. In chapter 2, there was a paralyzed man on a mat. And there was a friend at each corner of the mat. Four of this man's friends and they were carrying their friend along. They were bringing their crippled friend to Jesus. The crippled man was helpless. And his friends were carrying him along. Well the writer of Hebrews is saying that is what Jesus is doing with the entire created order. He created it. And now he is carrying it along. He's carrying it along to the point that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, a sparrow doesn't even fall into the bosom of the earth, but what he takes notice and knows all about it. He's carrying it along. Folks, history is not meaningless. It has purpose. Jesus is carrying it, he created it, and he's moving it along to God's intended completion. When all things are made new. And I want you to notice the writer of Hebrews says he does this by the word of his power. Just like at creation he spoke and it was done, it continues that way. Now, folks, what does this mean for you and me? If this is who Jesus is and what he's done, he created this world and he carries it along. He's sovereign and Lord over everything. Do you think he can look after your life? Absolutely. Is there anything about your life that is outside the scope of his care? No. And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said we don't have to go about worrying about everything in life. Because God created your life. He gave you life. And if he did the greater, which is give you your life, he can certainly do the lesser, which is to take care of the needs of your life. And so we don't have to go about every day living with anxiety and worry. He's able to carry you along and look after you. Then the writer of Hebrews says he made purification for our sins. There in verse 3, that's why he became flesh. You know, whenever or wherever man is conscious of sin, he desires to be cleansed. And sometimes men try to cleanse their own sins. And again, that's, that's a fool's errand. We can't cleanse ourselves of our own sins. But Jesus does what we can't do. Jesus never fails. In Hebrews, in chapter 2, the writer points out, Jesus made propitiation for our sins. In chapter, chapters 8 and 10, he took care of the putting away of our sins. In chapter 9, he brought about redemption from sins. In chapter 9, again, he bore our sins. In chapter 10, he made sacrifice for our sins. In chapter 10, once again, he made an offering for our sins. In other words, what this book is communicating is whatever needed to be done about sin, Jesus has done done he's taken care of it he's taken it out of the way so you and I can be forgiven and be reconciled to a holy God I think of the little boy a member of a church came forward one day and said I want to be saved and he went on to say told the preacher I've done my part and Jesus has done his part 
preacher said, wait a minute, son, we can't take credit for anything. And the little boy said, preacher, sure we can. I did my part. I did the sinning. He did his part. He did the saving. Now, that's a pretty good theology, isn't it? And then the writer of Hebrews says, after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, communicating that his saving work dealing with sin was done. He doesn't need to come back and go to Calvary all over again. He's not like the priest in the Old Testament that every year on the Day of Atonement, they had to go into the Holy of Holies again and offer another sacrifice that would carry the people through for yet another year. Because when Jesus died on the cross, what did Jesus say? It is finished. And the veil was torn in two. Marking the the entryway into the Holy of Holies. He doesn't have to come back and do it all over again. And so what did he do after making purification for our sins? He sat down at the right hand of God, the majesty on high. But there's an interesting thing in the scripture. In places in the scripture, like the book of Acts, for instance... The stoning of Stephen. Stephen looked up and where did he see Christ? He saw Christ standing. Standing. In other words, when it comes to his intercession and concern, Jesus is standing, he's active. But when it comes to redemption, Jesus is finished with that. He's seated. He's seated. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And then the writer of Hebrews here goes on to say, not only is Jesus superior to the prophets, he's superior to the angels. And he goes on in in verses 4 all the way through the end of the chapter talking about that. And I'll just kind of quickly summarize. He has a better name than, than the angels. The name Son that was never given to any of the angels. He's deserving of the worship of the angels. He's the eternal creator God. And he enjoys a better place than the angels. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's better than the prophets and he's better than the angels. Folks, this is the one we focus on at Christmas. There's no one like him. There can be no one like him. He's the only begotten Son of God who took on flesh that he might come to this earth And without sin, experience everything you and I experience so he could be our sympathetic high priest in our times of need. And then he went to the cross and he took the wrath of God against sin upon himself. He died in your place and my place that through him and him alone we might be reconciled to a holy God and have peace with God. Nobody else could have done that. Only Jesus. This Christmas, do you know him? Because again, I want to emphasize, God is not working apart from his son Jesus. If you're looking for some other way to know God, you're looking in vain because there's only one way. And again, his name is Jesus. 
And he's worthy of all honor and praise and devotion in your life and my life. He's not just a king. He's the king of kings. He's not just a lord. He's the lord of lords. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, he's the bright and morning star. To the butcher, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. To the baker, he's the bread of life. To the carpenter, he's the master builder. To the diplomat, he's the prince of peace. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the electrician, he's the light of the world. To the florist, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he's the rock of ages. Jesus Christ is everything, and he's worthy of praise and worship. Are you giving him the worship that he deserves? Are you following him with your life? Have you called upon him as Lord and confessed him before men? If not, we want to invite you to do that today. What a wonderful time of the year to confess Christ publicly. I'll be down here to pray with you. The other pastors will be down here to pray with you. And we'll we'll present you to the congregation. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And there are some of you perhaps here today who have never confessed Christ as Savior and Lord. And I'm inviting you to do that today. And others who have done that, just as... Amanda said in her children's message this morning, other things have begun to occupy what should be his rightful place in your life. And you've put the focus on other things. And you need to get back to Christ being the foundation of your life. What your life is all about. You may want to just come forward this morning and kneel at this altar and privately do business with God there. Or the pew where you're seated. He's everything. God has communicated to us through him in the ultimate supreme way. Father, we thank you for what Christmas says to us. That you do indeed love the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son. Lord, we thank you that you dealt with our sin. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I pray for that one this morning who needs to come to Christ. That they would be so bold as to step out and come forward and confess their need of a Savior this morning. And Lord, for those who have already made that decision in their life at some time in the past, God, remind us all that there is no one who is more worthy of occupying first place in everything in our lives than Jesus. And I pray that this Christmas and beyond, indeed, every day, I pray, That he would occupy first place in our lives. That he would be upon the throne of our life. 
And we would give him the worship, the praise, the devotion, the service that he deserves. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.